Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of WRSP Radio's Weekend Sports Huddle with Tom Paul and Hunter Hodes. I'm Dave Holcomb, back in the host chair. The Cubs and Pirates are meeting again at Wrigley Field this weekend. Two teams are headed in opposite directions at the moment. Cubs are on absolute fire. My co-host Tom Pollan will explain why. Pirates have gone extremely cold, but there is one big reason to be excited if you are a Pirates fan. We'll discuss both of those teams to open up the show. In the bottom half of our hour-long sports talk, we'll dive back into the Stanley Cup final. Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals finally lifted the cup after their Game 5 victory against the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll cover the Capitals' victory from every angle possible coming up after 10.30. We want to make you a part of the show. Give us a call, 516-387-1417. We'll get you on the air. You can also tweet at us, at WKD Sports Huddle. We'll be following that Twitter uh, handle. It's notifications all show long. So uh, give us a tweet, and we'll uh, read your tweet on the air. Now I'm going to welcome on my co-hosts. Actually, I only have one today. Hunter is hoping to in, but uh, he's got another Saturday morning where he is working. So... Hunter will not be here for the entire show, but my co-host from Chicago is Tom Pollan. Tom, how you doing today? Hey, doing pretty good. Rainy Chicago, but still doing great. Tell you what, Dave, I think Hunter just doesn't want to hear us teasing him about the uh, Golden Knights losing in the in the finals. So, um. Because I believe he didn't he pick the Golden Knights actually to finally win. Uh, he picked the Golden Knights to to win the series before it started two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. So he's been wrong about the Golden Knights all season. I just I don't think he wanted to. I, I think he's just kind of laying low to make sure that um, you know he doesn't get teased for that. So you know we don't. We, we want to take it easy on Hunter. Well, it's going to be even worse teasing because he's not here. Well, that's true. <laughs> Especially since he keeps talking about how great he is at predictions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting, Tom, when he picked the Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup because either way he was going to get teased. Uh, if, if Vegas won the Cup, then we go back to what he said about Vegas before the season, right? And, but picking Vegas uh, set him up for the teasing if Washington won, and, and Washington won. Yeah, so, I mean, we win every which way. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. We win. <laughs> yep, yep, and, and we're hoping that Hunter is listening and uh, we, we make him so angry that he just forces himself to take a break from work and call in. Hunter, we will get to some <laughs> hockey around 10.30. So if you have a limited amount of time uh, and only wanted to talk about one uh, topic, call in after 10.30 and, and we'll get your thoughts on the Stanley Cup. Uh, today's show is brought to you by author Marco Sacchio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you towards wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosacchio.com. Plenty of discussions that we're going to have with the Stanley Cup. We're going to talk baseball first. Cubs-Pirates seem to be playing every other series right now against each other. This weekend, they're at Wrigley Field. Yesterday, the Cubs won 3-1. to one. Tom, the Cubs have been on quite a tear. Take us through it. Well, Dave, it seems like you were just really good luck for the Cubs this year. Um <laughs> Oh, good. Since so we went, I know you would be. Because <laughs> um, since we went to that ball game that Friday, the Cubs are uh, 
on a nine and three run, they're back to win a half game uh, behind the Brewers in the NL Central. And remember, this is the same Brewers team that the Cubs have wiped the field with seven out of eight times so far this season. So, you know, don't forget that. Um, but yeah, beat the Pirates yesterday, and they're on a six and one run in June. So. A couple of things going on. They're getting consistently good hitting up and down their lineup. But the main point of their attack, Anthony Rizzo has come out of his early season slump and just been pounding the ball, uh, slashing 356, 446, 689, uh, four home runs and 12 RBIs since that game where we went to Wrigley Field. So, um you know, incredible run for him. That that's that's pretty good for twelve um for a twelve game run. So, you know, and, and it seems like Rizzo just does this. He goes into a an early season slump and and at some point, you know, late May or so just jumps out of it and and he's gonna be on target the rest of the season. Uh, we talked about Albert Armora last week about how he should be playing every day. Um, Elmore is slashing 326, 380, 457, uh, playing pretty much every day now. And and look at what the Cubs are doing ever since. So you, know, you see what what having Elmore in the lineup has been doing. And Jason Hayward, the guy – you know, whoever's complaining about their contract, and I'm not saying for good reason, but Jason Hayward is hitting uh, 375, 542 on base percentage, 942 slugging percentage, and hit a walk-off grand slam last Wednesday to give the Cubs a 7-5 win over the Phillies. So, you know, you get that kind of contributions uh, from your offense, you know, that's, that's what the Cubs have been waiting for. Well, that slash line for Jason Hayward, how long of a span is that? Because we want to see the Cubs. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. in that 12-game span. I, I'm not surprised. Well, I guess Hayward is probably the most surprising stat line, but – I'm not surprised at all with Rizzo, and I and I I'm glad you brought him up. Um, got off to a slow start, as you said, and and uh, I think a lot of that had to do with his back issues, no? And and it seems like yeah. he's healthy now, and 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 that should be scary for everyone else in the National League Central that Rizzo is healthy and they have their one-two punch again in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, it really should be scary. Um... Because when he's going, he does make this lineup, uh, you know, makes this lineup happen. Makes makes you know, does an incredible job um, driving in runs, creating runs, and um, you know, twelve RBIs in, in those twelve games. So, you know, that's a hell of a run. Also, the pitching. Uh, John Lester has been four and one in his last five starts. So he's gotten his decision in each of his last five. Uh, 31.2 innings, 22 hits, 30 Ks, uh, strikeouts, and the ERA of 199. So Lester is the ace again. And if anybody ever doubted it after the first month of the season, don't doubt it anymore. Lester is the ace. Were people doubting it in Chicago? I think a lot of people were wondering if age was catching up with him. Uh, mm-hmm. There were some doubts that maybe Lester um, was maybe pitching with a dead arm a little bit. Um, but again, I'm looking up his age here, but he's been around, he's 13 years in the game. And I think people were starting to think maybe, you know, with. It was time. Maybe he was starting to slow down. Maybe we weren't going to get as much out of him anymore. Uh, yeah, he's 34 years old. So, But he's answered all of those questions over the last uh, his last five starts. And 
you know, nobody's asking that question anymore. John Lester's through. Um, he's six and two now. So, you know, just tearing up the league, doing, doing what John Lester does. He just goes out there. He's so efficient. Uh, throws a great fastball, just hard to hit. And it just looks like he's in complete control on the mound. And when he's on, he's just, he's incredible to watch. Cubs fans, we want to hear from you. Give us a call, 516-387-1417, a question I'm going to pose to the listeners. Who is a bigger part of the Cubs' success in the last two weeks? Is it Lester or is it Rizzo? I think that will be a fun little discussion if we can hear from any fans out there. Give us a call. Also tweet at us, at WKD Sports Huddle. I agree. That would be a great conversation. Um, I think Lester... Um, Lester on his hot streak kind of gives the rest of the pitching staff a little bit more confidence. But man, when Rizzo's hitting, especially out of the number four spot in the order, uh, you put people on ahead of him and, and you just watch, you know, watch the explosion happen because that's what's been happening lately. And one of the strange things about this streak uh, Hugh Darvish has been on the disabled list since May 23rd with right shoulder tendonitis. So, lefty Mike Montgomery, who's kind of a starter slash reliever in the last three years for the Cubs, has started three games in his absence, is 2-0, and uh, gone six innings in all three, and the Cubs have won all three of those games. And he has, he has a 1.02 earned run average, and hitters are only batting 177 against him in those starts. You know, so the guy has been, you know, if he hasn't been splitting his time between the bullpen and starting rotation, uh, you call that a space-like material. But uh, Montgomery has done a heck of a job filling in for Darvish and, and being the fifth man in their rotation. And two of those three starts came against the Pirates. Well, he loves the Pirates, I guess. <laughs> right, yeah. No, I was saying. Right. Uh, but, yeah, um, I, I don't know why that's been the case. I mean, Montgomery hasn't been great out of the bullpen this year, right? So I, I don't understand why the Pirates haven't been able to solve him uh, either time they faced him, they faced him yesterday, and they faced him. Uh, I believe it was Memorial Day, the day that uh, we had the controversial yeah. tie with Rizzo. That was the same day Ma- Montgomery shut down the Pirates. Pittsburgh only had two hits that day, and I think only one came against Montgomery. Yeah, and, and but as I say, you know, you you look at what the Cubs. I'm not saying it's a bad contract for Darvish. I'm really not. I'm not going to go that far right now. But considering what you expected to get out of Darvish, uh, the Cubs have been very fortunate that Montgomery has stepped in the way he has. It's it, it's been one of the big stories, uh, one of the big impacts that the Cubs have had over over this hot streak is that they've been able to get this kind of um, consistent pitching where they really didn't expect it. I mean, they expected uh, to get that kind of pitching out of Darvish. And Darvish just, you know, has a hell of a time. But, you know, the Pirates shouldn't feel bad because Montgomery shut down the Mets too. So, but I guess everybody's shutting down the Mets these days. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, the Mets and Pirates were off to two of the better starts in the National League. Uh, I think the Mets were 9-1 and one at one point, and the Pirates were sitting at pretty close to first place in the middle of May, and uh, both, te- both teams are having a terrible time right now winning games. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I'm always surprised by the Mets because of their pitching staff, but, man, they cannot hit to save their lives. And they're on a seven-game losing streak. And the Cubs, I mean, Pittsburgh, I still think maybe they're, I don't know, I wouldn't say they're not as bad as everybody thought at the beginning of the season. 
but you can see somewhat of a foundation there. Um, I don't think it's completely hopeless in Pittsburgh, but they do have to get a few things turned around. Um, but I, I still think that they've rebuilt a young core, and I think they can make it work still. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. Um, we're we're going to get into the Pirates right now, actually. Um, if there are any other well, comments on the Cubs, yeah. uh, do you have anything left on the Cubs, Tom? i got one more thing on the Cubs. Okay. Uh, Javier Baez is having probably right now is one of the unique seasons ever in Major League Baseball. But Tasty hit 39 home runs and only currently on a pace to only have 20 unintentional walks. No <laughs> player, so no player in baseball history has ever get to that combination. You know, so many home runs with so few walks. Yeah. It's it's really something. I mean, he doesn't get cheated on his swings. And also on a pace for 159 strikeouts this season. So he is about to, right now, he is one of the unique hitters in baseball history because he's been able to combine those three categories in that way and still be able to hit. I mean, you know, still, still give the Cubs power, still give the Cubs uh, some consistency. He plays a great, you know, even better on defense at, at uh, second base, but, you know, 39 home runs with only 20 unintentional walks. Um, is, you know, we talk about hitters that are, have not been easy to walk in their careers. And, Javier Baez is even surpassing guys like uh, uh, Guerrero, you know, who had the nose-to-toe strike zone. So, <laughs> um, I mean, even Guerrero walked more than Javier Baez has been walking. But we'll see how this progresses during the season. It's going to be interesting. There's a few guys, it seems like, that are on pace to have a historic season, either good or bad. Chris Davis has been horrible for the Orioles. Oh, my uh, I think God. Batting below. He's below 200, isn't he? Oh, he's about 150. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, Chris, that's... yeah was like a 170 on base percentage. So, Chris Davis, I read about him in Deadspin the other day. Um and they say out of all players in Major League Baseball history, uh, based on we've talked about advanced uh, stats before and how what we read into them, but they say they're looking at a couple of different stats and saying he might be. He is having the worst season of anyone in Major League Baseball history. Yeah. <laughs> <Currently>. yeah. <laughs> it's just incredible. Yeah, it oh, is. Man. It is. Uh, for him to still be in the lineup is incredible. Um, I think yeah. if he had, if he wasn't making so much money, he would be uh, DFA'd. But he's making too much money for that. He's making too much money. Uh, I know Baltimore fans are wondering why Trey Mancini isn't in at first base. But you know, this Baltimore team looks like they're pretty much uh, out of it there. They're looking for a high draft pick for next season. I, you know, it it doesn't look like, you know, as a team, they're really taking the ser- the season seriously anymore. Because, uh, yeah, how do you how do you justify keeping Chris Davis in your lineup the way he's the way he's playing with with what he's giving you? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point, and. Uh... It seems like we're all just ticking down the clock until Manny Machado gets traded, and that could be a tipping point this season. Whatever team ends up getting Manny Machado, there's a lot of good teams in both leagues, but whoever lands one of the best hitters in the league at third base at shortstop this year um, could could change the season. Yeah, he could. Uh, Absolutely. And, yeah, it's gotten to that point where I think the only thing they're looking forward to in Baltimore is – where Manny Machado is going to go because yeah. the rest of that team is, is just burying themselves. So, 
you know, they they got the one diamond on that field, and you know they better get something good for him because, and yeah, they got to trade him at the trade deadline. The thing yeah, I is, think they'll get something good for him. <laughs> thing is, he's a rental player. I mean, he doesn't have a contract cast this season. Right. Yeah, that's why so, they they got to trade him. But that's going to affect how much they can get back for him too. That's true. That's true. Um, um, because either either you're going to use him for the last couple of months of the season and put yourself in the playoffs and, and World Series contention, or you have to try and sign him. And he's going to want big numbers. So the numbers he wants kind of limits the number of teams that are going to give up solid prospects to bring him in. Um so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how that works because that, that's the one negative for the Orioles is, you know, they, they cannot sign him. They won't sign him. He won't sign with them. He'd be nuts. And, you know, can he go to a place where they will sign him? I mean... Or does he just go free agent after the season and and pick, you know, have his pick of teams that he wants to go to? I think if if they're willing to trade him within the division, you got the Yankees and Red Sox battling out for the division for the first time in a while, uh, and both are big market, big money teams. That might be all the Orioles need for a bidding war. Those two teams. That's probably it. I don't know if Baltimore would really be afraid of trading him within the division or not. I um, wouldn't think so either. You know, they're not anywhere near the division. The problem with the Red Sox is Machado wants to play shortstop. And he really doesn't want to play third base. And the Red Sox have Xander Bogarts you know, playing shortstop. So are you going to move Xander Bogarts on the field just to put in uh, uh, Manny Machado? And, well, some would say, of course you do, but Bogarts is a pretty good shortstop. So, and, and is you know, does play well on offense. And it's interesting to see if the Red Sox would want to make that move. And the... Uh, the Yankees are looking with Didi Gregorius at shortstop, who's having a, a hell of a season so far. So yeah. you got to wonder if either of those teams is going to end up with uh, with Machado because Machado wants to be shortstop. Now maybe he goes to one of those teams and he plays third base for half the season and next year goes somewhere where he can be a shortstop. You know, that's always a possibility too. But right now, I mean, you you got two teams that have solid farm systems, have a lot of prospects that can help the help the Orioles uh, improve and and solidify that team. Neither team has any has much incentive to give up um, give up a lot of talent unless they can convince Machado to play third base. That's a good point. Yeah, both teams will have that issue if they if they want to trade for Machado. Uh, they they both would presumably play him at third base. Right, they would have to. Yeah. So, I mean, there are plenty of other teams who would probably be in the market, um, but right now, hey, those those two make the the most sense because they're going to be fighting each other. Uh, for you know division and playoff placements all season. I mean, the the Yankees and the Red Sox are head and shoulders above everybody else in the American League right now. That's why I brought up those two teams. And again, the big markets, uh, good prospect uh, pool to 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 trade from. Um, and you just feel like it's the Cold War with those teams. You're you're trying to add as many <laughs> weapons as possible, and they they hate each other as much as the U.S. and Soviet Union did back in the day. So 
Um, oh, it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, where Machado lands. But let's take a quick break here. and We're going to stick with baseball, though, when we come back. We're going to head back to the National League Central after the commercial and talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tom brought up, uh, I think, great points briefly about them. Uh, real cold streak right now for the Pirates, but the future isn't only bleak. There is one very bright spot right now uh, for baseball in Pittsburgh. Would you like to advertise on WRSP Radio? Your ad can be heard on multiple platforms, from radio to video and even print magazines. WRSP Radio is looking for advertisers now, and our amazing low rates won't last forever. So contact us today at info at wrspradio.com. That is info at wrspradio.com. Welcome back to WRSP Radio's Weekend Sports Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb, with Tom Pollan. We're hoping to get Hunter Hodes on as well in the second half of our show. We want to get you on the show as well. Give us a call, 516-387-1417. You can also tweet at us at WKD Sports Huddle. So returning to the National League Central, Tom, uh, we brought up the Pirates briefly in that first segment and how they're they're really struggling right now. They've lost 15 of the last 20 games. Uh, the first 14 series of the season, Pirates only lost three of them. Uh, now, two of those three losses were four-game sweeps at the hands of the Phillies and Nationals. But overall, I mean, the Pirates were playing much better baseball than anybody thought coming into the season after losing Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole uh, during the winter months. But since that point, with these 15 out of 20 losses in, in 20 games, they've lost six straight series. And unless the Pirates are able to pull out two straight victories at Wrigley Field, it's going to be a seventh straight series loss. And uh, at the beginning of the year, they were beating teams in the National League Central, which was keeping them alive in the in the division race. But during this uh, cold spell, they've lost two series to the Cardinals, one series to the Cubs, one series to the Reds. And, and again, unless they win two straight to end this weekend, it'll be a second series loss to the Cubs. So we, we've talked about the bullpen issues for the Pirates. We, we talked about that last week. We discussed Jamison Tyone the week before. You brought him up, Tom, um, which was a great point, how he's not fulfilling his expectations as the team's new ace. I want to place the blame on somebody else this week, the guy that was supposed to basically replace Andrew McCutcheon in the lineup and and as a clubhouse leader. That's Gregory Polanco. In 55 games this year, Tom, Polanco's hitting 207 with a 414 slugging percentage, barely on base 30% of the time. Um, The crazy thing about Polanco, he got off to a really great start. The first week, week and a half of the season, he had 15 RBIs was leading the league in RBIs after 10 games. But since April 10th, hitting 189 and has struck out 25% of the time. Yeah, and that's surprising because, you know, what we saw at Polanco heading into this season, it really looked like, you know, we were seeing uh, a budding star for the the Pirates. Um, You know, not as good last year, but hit 22 home runs in 2016, uh, looked like he would be that reliable power bat at least that could help the Pirates place Andrew McCutcheon. And it's it's like he's, he keeps going downhill. He's not getting any better. And I don't know, it's something the Pirates really have to be worried about. Because this is, I think this is a guy that they were placing a lot of stock in uh, to kind of step in and, and raise his game and be the man in the lineup. I agree. It, it, it's it's reached the point where he's he's not uh, he's definitely not a prospect anymore. He's he's almost not a young player anymore. Twenty six years old. At that point, you really mm-hmm. expect guys to be. Uh, progressing and, and becoming an all-star caliber player if that's the expectations that you have on, on certain players. And and we've seen flashes of Polanco being great in, in previous seasons, last year, even the year before, 2016. 
2017, uh, but has never been able to put it together for a full season. And that was what the expectation was this year, that this would be the year he pulls it all together. He's the guy. Uh, he doesn't have to worry about platooning with anyone. In, in previous seasons, you know, he didn't start against lefty starters. Uh, he was supposed to take that next step against uh, lefty pitching. Um, and it seems like he's just taken a step back against all pitching, hitting barely above 200 at this point. Um, and, and it has to be a huge concern for, for the Pirates. At his age, 26, uh, it's it's reaching the point where he's he's becoming a bust. I was about to say that. Um, definitely getting to that point where uh, the Pirates are going to have to make a decision on him pretty soon about uh, whether he even stays stays around and uh, and they continue trying to salvage something out of him, um, I think the next uh, you know given into the All Star break, the you know the Pirates will wait till then see what they have, then make a decision. But um, he hasn't shown any inclination over the last week or so that. He's ready to pull out of any of this and 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 uh, and contribute. So, don't know. I don't even know if you can really wait on him anymore. This is this is getting to a point where I don't know if the Pirates had anybody else. You know, maybe they would send him down for for a bit to see if they can get his head back together, but. You know, they they don't have the players, so they can't do that. Um, I don't know who the Pirates have in their minor league system right now. Um, But he's contributing nothing. He's he's doing nothing. And and the Pirates, as I say, if they're going to try and build a winner over the next couple of seasons, right now he doesn't look like he's going to be part of it. As is the case with a lot of hitters, uh, Polanco, you can always tell how he's doing based on you know the the, the pitches he's taking. Is he swinging at bad pitches? Uh, how often is he striking out versus how much he's walking? And, and again, I already said it, but striking out 25% of the time over the last two months—that's way too high. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he, he's just he's lost at the plate. He, he's lost, and I, I don't know what will pull him out of it, Tom. Uh, you're right; he doesn't seem like this slump is going to end anytime soon. And uh, the fortunate thing about the Pirates, maybe they don't have the, the, the players in order to send Polanco down to, uh, to the minor leagues. I don't know if they would do that even if they did, to be honest. But um, Well, it might be a little have... bit too late to do that. He's, he's five years into his career now. Right. I, I, I will have to double check You know the rules. There's certain – after a certain amount of time, you but can't send on... players down anymore. But... Depends on how many options he has. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the point I was going to make is that the Pirates do have three other outfielders they can play, and that's because of the emergence of Austin Meadows. Uh, he's come up, yep. and really all he's done since he's come up is is hit. He's hitting 375 with a 406 on base, 688 slugging percentage. He's got five home runs, eight RBIs in 64 at-bats. He's only walked four times in 69 playing appearances, but he's also only struck out seven times. So this guy is giving the Pirates hope, and I think he's the biggest reason why you, you, you're still positive if you're, the Pir- if you're the Pirates, even after this terrible three weeks, is you have this young player that you've been touting as McCutcheon's replacement for years, really, and he's come up, and yeah. he has been everything and more of what you've expected. Well, he's been one of their uh, top prospects for a couple of years now. Um, they, yeah, I mean, they brought him up a couple of times and uh, plugged him in a little bit. But, yeah, he, he's definitely fulfilling what they expected out of him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, for a while there, I think even you, you were a little down on, Plant, uh, on Austin Meadows for a little while. Uh, thinking whether he could, uh, whether he was going to finally contribute, uh, be able to come up to the the big team and finally contribute. But 
so far it's been all good with him, and it's too bad that the Pirates can't get Polanco going with him, uh, especially with Dickerson, the way he's been hitting. Um, you know, you might have something really, really strong going there. You're right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I was down on Meadows. You're right. Um, I think he was really struggling uh, last year. I forget when it was, but he there was a point where he was really not hitting at all in, in the minors. And uh, clearly he's, he's found his stroke again. And he, he was, I think, hitting pretty well before he got called up. And, and that hot streak has continued at the, the major league level. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think the, you bring up a good point. It would be great if Polanco was hitting with him. But at least they have – the Pirates have two, three outfielders they can play. And, and Polanco doesn't have to be relied upon every single day. Uh, you put Meadows in right field. Dickerson is – seventh and hitting in the National League. He's playing every day and left. And you have Marte, who's having a decent season mm-hmm. in, in center field, playing very good defense, uh, probably better defense than, than McCutcheon played last year, at least, in center field. So you have the three outfielders, which has kind of been the foundation of the Pirates since 2013. They've always had a strong outfield. So, uh, yes, it's, it's terrible that Polanco's not living up to expectations, having a terrible season. But you don't have to play him every day. That is the silver lining with Meadows coming up and hitting so well. But, again, not playing him every day, not being able to play him every day is really, you know, damaging to the team. That's where you thought you were going to be getting some of your power from. Uh, yeah. You know, getting some jump in the offense from. And the fact that you can't play him every day and believe me, I, I know how that feels because remember last year we were talking about Kyle Schwarber so much, um, yeah. you know, continuing to play him and, and trying to get his back going and, and wondering what was wrong. And and after a while, you just I you get to a point where you, know, you settle in to a lineup without him, but you know, Polanco did have a use in this lineup before the season, and and the it it hurts the Pirates the fact that he has to sit, um, the fact that he's not producing. Um, what is your take? I, I want to ask what your take is on another player that's not really producing for the Pirates. Josh Bell seems to be struggling a lot. Uh, yeah, he is. Um, as another player that they were counting on power from. Um, Bella has had an interesting career so far. He came up mid-2016. And in 2016, if I, I, don't, I don't have my, his stats in front of me, but I believe the half season he played in 2016, he was more of an average guy. I think he hit about 290 in half a year. And uh, uh-huh. you thought, okay, he's going to be more of a, a number two hitter, switch hitter. Uh, you hit him in front of McCutcheon and Polanco, and then last year he had a uh, he had more power. He was hitting he I think he hit about 255, 260, but had 20, 25 home runs. And this year you're not really hitting yeah. either. You're, you're hitting two. He's hitting about 250, and doesn't have 10 home runs yet. I don't think so. It's another guy that only has four home runs. Four home runs. Uh, and he's hitting fourth in the lineup. That's that's not going to cut it in modern baseball. I mean, the Pirates had this problem last year with the number of home runs they hit. Um, so, and that was something they did very well at the beginning of the season when the first time they came to Wrigley Field, the Pirates announcer said yesterday, I think they had 13 home runs in those three games that they played. Maybe not that many, because uh, that's a lot. But they had a lot of home runs in their first series at Wrigley Field. And, uh, and and they, they, they won that series, and it's just been completely different since, since the middle of May. Very little power, and there's a lot of issues that we can point to. Again, the bullpen is struggling. We, we didn't talk about Tyone today. We talked about him again two weeks ago. He hasn't been an ace. Um, Trevor Williams hasn't pitched like a number two pitcher. They wanted him to be the second guy in the rotation. So there's, there's more than just Polanco and, and Josh Bell. But um, you need that power in the middle of your lineup, and they're not getting it really from anyone right now. No, no. Um, 
you think Meadows is, is too young to really put in there right now? In the middle of the lineup? You want to put, in the middle of the lineup, do you really want to put that kind of pressure on him? I don't think so. I think the de- his development is more important. He's hitting really well at, at, at the number two spot. I would I would keep him there. Okay. All right, just wondering. Uh, yeah. Because right now he's been the only consistent consistent contributor, but yeah, you yeah. don't want to put too much pressure on him too early. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if I'm Clint Hurdle, I'm hoping the bullpen pulls out of this funk. Last week I mentioned they, they had a great 40-game stretch, so you're hoping that this is just a, a blip on the radar and that Tyone and Williams can figure things out as as we uh, approach the middle of the season. And, and, and if the pitching solidifies itself, then I think you can be patient with the, the the younger hitters in in the lineup. The hell of it is, Tyone's still just – I can't figure him out because watching him pitch last year, he's got great stuff. I he mean, does. Yeah. He really does have the stuff to be a top pitcher in this league. So it's just puzzling to watch him struggle. But – yeah. You know, it, it it is, yeah, and um, that's probably a whole another discussion we can get to another time. Is is where are the Pirates with their their pitching development? Because Arish Searidge is is deemed as a a pitching genius, and and I think that that title is is pretty well warranted. But Garrett Cole is pitching much better in Houston than he did last year with with the Pirates. He's throwing a lot more off speed pitches. At least he was at the beginning of the season when I when I looked into his numbers after April. Um, is it is it simply, is Tyone throwing too many fastballs? Is he not using his off-speed pitches enough? Is that the, is there a, a uh, problem with just Tyone, or is there a problem across the board as the Pirates develop these pitchers like Glass now, Tyone, Chad Cool? Uh, we've seen flashes mm-hmm. from all of them at greatness, but we've also seen them struggle a lot. So I think that would be a good discussion yeah. to have another time is, is where are the Pirates with their pitching development? That's true. I believe. I, I agree with you. Um, definitely. Because, yeah, I mean, you look at it on paper, this talent on the staff. So, and you just wonder um, why it's not playing out the way uh, – you originally thought it would uh, as far as uh, production. Right. Because I'm you know, very impressed with, with some of the talent that they do have, the young pitchers that they do have. So, um, yeah, it's, it would be worth looking into going deeper into these problems. We'll have to do that uh, in a week coming up. Uh, we got to take another break, quick one here, and then uh, we're going to dive into the Stanley Cup final, maybe touch upon the NBA championship, which ended last night as well. Uh, the NHL saw one of its Blue Blood franchises win for the first time ever. Washington Capitals raised the Stanley Cup. We'll talk about that after this. The stories of two bad boy Bassahound puppies. The Stanley and Norman series of children's books are a must-read. Based on the real-life adventures of the Bassett brothers, Stanley and Norman, each book teaches children a valuable life lesson. The Stanley and Norman book series is for children and dog lovers of all ages. Pick up your copy today from rsplaunchpad.com, Amazon, or Barnes & Noble Nook. Happy reading! And we're back here on WRSP Radio's Weekend Sports Huddle with Tom Pollan. I'm Dave Holcomb. Might have Hunter Hodes joining us in this segment, we'll see. About 15 minutes left in the show. If you want to be a part of this segment, give us a call, 516-387-1417. You could also tweet at us at WKD Sports Huddle. Today's show is brought to you by author Marcos Accio. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you towards wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosaccio.com. So as the NBA crowns the same team for... Three times in the last four years, Tom, the NHL crowned a brand-new champion in the Washington Capitals on Thursday night. 
the Capitals won the Stanley Cup yep. for the first time in their 44-year history. Alex Ovechkin, their captain, led the team in goals uh, with 15 in, during the playoffs, and he won the Conn Smythe. And despite being a NHL writer for the last two or three years, Tom, I'm still trying to learn how to spell Smythe. S-M-Y-T-H-E. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, these, these old hockey founders, these old, you know, the foundation of the National Hockey League, yeah, you got to learn all those names to be able to figure out who you're talking about uh, in, in hockey. Um you know, I still want to know who Lady Bing is, <laughs> and, <Yeah. why, laughs> and why the most polite player in the league. Uh, oh, you know why you got to be so polite to win that trophy? Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the NHL is unique that way. It's a lot, and actually, I think it's a lot of fun. But I uh, agree. I, yep. I think it's a lot of fun too with the old old names trophies. Uh, you can tell who's a real fan because they all know the, you know you you know that the Norris Trophy goes to the top defenseman. If you're not an NHL fan, you don't know that. So um, it's kind of a, yeah. you're you're you get into the club of NHL fans if you know the the names of the trophies and who they apply to. Um, there, there's a lot of different ways we can go with this discussion. I think the uh, best way to kick it off, Tom, so I wanted to ask you, Ovechkin, already one of the best players of this generation, already one of the best goal scorers of all time, right? I think everybody can agree on that. Did he need this championship to solidify his legacy? Yes, he did. Absolutely. His, his legacy is now assured. Um, but, you know, it's like that in every sport, Dave. Uh, you look at a lot of players and their greatness is amplified by the fact that they won a championship. I mean, would anybody say um, Dan Marino was better? Uh, Joe Montana was a better physical quarterback than Dan Marino. No, but Joe Montana is looked at as one of the all-time greats. Dan Marino is looked as a great, but but he didn't win a Super Bowl. And yeah. that, that's, that's, there's differences there. Jim Kelly never won a Super Bowl. He's one of the all-time greats, but without the Super Bowl, you you need that championship chapter um, to put yourself in, in legendary status. And I think Ovechkin finally got it. I think he earned it. Uh, the smile on his face uh, – you know, hoisting the cup was incredible um, because you could see how he was feeling when when he was finally able to uh, get his hands on it. But uh, but yeah, I, it, you have to say now that that he's one of the all time greats. He's got a cup, and and that counts for a lot. I agree. Uh, I mean, he was a Hall of Fame player no matter what, but you don't want to be one of those players that. You did this, you did that, you scored 600 goals, you you did you you, you won the, the, this many MVPs, you led the league in scoring this many times, but you never won a championship. You want to be one of those mm-hmm. players after you say all the individual accomplishments, you say, and he won a championship. Right. Crosby, and he won three championships. So uh, right. I, I agree. Uh, it's kind of I, – I feel bad that this is the way it is because – Especially in hockey, you can't win anything by yourself. You got to have the team around you. But oh, absolutely! This is this is the way it is. You got to win the championship to to be one of the best of all time. So, so we finally saw Ovechkin, uh, you know, accomplish that, reach reach the pinnacle of the sport. Yeah, and it's not like maybe he had his he was playing his best, but he had the complementary players finally that that was able to to work around him. Um, and that makes that kind of difference. And, you know, but but that still contributes. I mean, now you look at Ovechkin differently. You look at his career diff- differently. Even though it was a better all-round Capitals team than teams he's had before, you know, winning this year just gives you a different look at it all. 
It's interesting you bring that up because I, I, I agree this team was better this year in, in the playoffs, but I think a lot of hockey people would say that last year's roster, the, the Capitals roster in 2016, was better than, than it was this year. Um, do you view, now that Washington has won, do you view their two lo- previous losses any differently? Um, the, uh, the two losses I'm talking about are the, are the Penguins' losses the, two years ago and last year. Um, and do you view the Penguins' loss this spring any differently? And there, a lot of people were critical of the Penguins not being able to repeat and that, you know, we all kind of said, well, whoever wins this series was going to lose to Tampa. Well, that didn't happen. Washington went on to win. So with Washington winning, do right. you view the Penguins' exit any differently? Um. Maybe we do, and I think, you know, as we look back on it, as we gain some some distance between, you know, the end of the season and, you know, maybe in another month, maybe we do look back on that, uh, on that Penguins loss a little bit differently and realize that, you know, they were up against a team that, that really did I mean, nobody thought they would beat the Penguins. Nobody thought they would beat uh, the Lightning. And they they beat a team in the Stanley Cup Finals that basically had its way with every team it faced in the, you know, in their run in the Western Conference. So, um, yeah. I think you do get a, bit, a better look at this Capitals team and say, well, this, this is a lot better team than maybe we gave them credit for. Uh, maybe not in overall talent, but uh, the things they learned over the past couple of seasons and just maybe in heart, you know, that they were not going to let themselves fall this time. I think that was the big difference between Ovechkin and previous playoffs. Is, uh, he, he's been good in other postseasons. I think people try to sell him short when his team loses. They blame him. And, and, and it, he played well last year and the year before when, when he lost to Pittsburgh. It was it was the depth of Washington that didn't. And uh, I think the difference, though, with Ovechkin was he was not going to be denied. Uh, the, the, the leadership he right. showcased um, and, and, and the inspiration he was to his teammates was really what, what one of the, the, the big differences this spring. Yeah, there's a reason why he's wearing a C on this sweater. I mean, yeah. that, that's... And I, I do believe it. I, I believe he just he wasn't going to be denied. He's heard enough of it, and uh, and he made sure that you know everybody else was 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 with him when it came time to make this run. I mean, it's it, it was an amazing run by the by the Capitals when you when you look at it all. They won the final couple of games against the Penguins without Tom Wilson. Uh, yeah, and, and made that look fairly, you know, really, you know, the Penguins did not look like themselves in those final two games. So um, they won Game Six without Backstrom too. Yes, right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. um, you know, I think Joe Ovechkin got tired of hearing all all the criticism and. You know, made sure that you know, made sure that everybody stepped up the game. I think it it was a talent. It's always been a talented team, but um, you could see even even after they were outplayed the first game of the the finals, um, it, it looked like the Golden Knights. You know, they've had everybody's number in the postseason. Looked like they were going to have the the Capitals' number. Uh, with the aggressive way they played, but the Capitals came back out and and adjusted and and uh, finally made the Knights look like an expansion team. Yeah, they really did look like an expansion team in the last few games of that that final. So, but you, you know, mentioned I, the I give I, I give the Capitals also credit for for adjusting. Uh, to make it the adjustments that they've needed to to uh, overcome in each of these series uh, against the Penguins, against the uh, the Lightning, uh, you know, 
they very easily could have lost those series if, you know, going into them, they didn't look as strong. They didn't look as strong against the Penguins. The Penguins beat them up pretty bad their first game. Um, so, but they weren't, they weren't dwelling on the losses. They were dwelling on what they needed to do the next game. And that was the other big difference, their, their mental approach to each series and the adversity they were able to overcome this year that they weren't able to in previous seasons. Uh, uh-huh. Ten road victories for, for Washington. They were road warriors. Uh, we talked about in previous shows how that maybe they were feeling pressure at home to win games, and and uh, so maybe they had to do this to, to get it done. Win, win on the road. Win where the, you felt less pressure. They did that. Tied a record for ten road wins in the playoffs. They were behind in every series. Every single one. Something we haven't brought up yet. They were behind 2 nothing after losing two games at home in the first round. They could have very easily yes. exited after the first round, and, and it was, would have been Columbus right. versus Pittsburgh in, in the second round. Uh, but, but Washington wins four straight after Braden Hopi goes back in the net for game three in that series. So, uh, right. so many things. Uh, this, this happens every year. Uh, that you, you, if, you, you know, if you're a team game, four series, there's a lot of storylines, but um, the storylines for this this championship is is pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. I, I agree. I and I'm, you know, I'm not a Capitals fan, but I am thrilled for Ovechkin. I, I was very happy to see what he was able to do. Um, I think he's earned it, and I think he's earned the uh, all the praise that's come his way and. You know, Barry Trotz was taking a lot of criticism as uh, the uh, Capitals coach, especially from our uh, our missing co-host today. And yeah. you got to give well, him took- some credit, too, for getting that team, you know, helping the team forget previous losses and, and letting them move forward and, and and just taking the next game. I mean, not not taking things lightly. I was a big critic of Barry Trotz as well. Um, I, I won't hide it. I think he warranted the criticism in previous years. Um, but my view of him and Ovechkin, to go back to my question I asked a few minutes ago, it, it does change because I, I think this, this, this three-year period, um, the winner of the Stanley Cup has come out of the Penguins and Capital Series. And um, you know, we're talking about all these things that they were able to do and this year and whatnot. But maybe the only thing they needed to go their way this year was to get past Pittsburgh. Maybe that's all yeah. they needed. You know? um, mm-hmm. the, the Penguins have just been a thorn in their side for years and years, going back before Ovechkin, before Crosby. Um, and this year they, they solved that demon and then – got it done against other teams that we thought maybe they wouldn't. Uh, so, um, and, and maybe if the Penguins got past Washington this year, maybe about a three-peat, and, and maybe if Washington had beaten the one game seven last year, we're talking about a repeat for Washington. Uh, so I think yeah. that's what makes this rivalry fun going forward is these two teams well, clearly the best two, even though they weren't record-wise this year, they were clearly the best right. two over the last three years. They're the best hockey teams in, in the NHL. Well, I'll tell you, speaking, you know, from a Chicago fan standpoint, uh, the Blackhawks always had that thorn in their side, the Red Wings. And they could never seem to get past the Red Wings. They could, you know, they, they skate, you know, they, they, they skate their hardest. They play overtime games. Uh, they take them to the brink, but the Blackhawks could never beat the Red Wings. And, in the season for their first Stanley Cup, they were down three to one against the Red Wings. Looked like they were going to get beat again. Came back, won that series four three, and then you know went on to win their first Stanley Cup. Uh, the Chicago Bulls always had the Pistons as a thorn in their side. Michael Jordan could never beat the Pistons. The year they beat the Pistons, they won their first title and won six out of eight titles. I mean, sometimes it is a a matter of getting cast that one thorn that you could never get past before. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think that's I, the case or, or was part of it this year for the Capitals. So, yeah, you finally climb that mountain. You finally get past them. And, and that that's always seems to change something in a team. It'll be interesting to see how Washington plays as the defending champs. Are they more relaxed next year? Um, you know, they have I think they have one at least a free agent in John Carlson. Does he come back on the blue line? Uh, I think the Penguins will be there. So maybe for the first time, this really will be a rivalry. Because I know people in Pittsburgh don't look at it as a rivalry because they never win in the series. Um, but they finally won. They have their Stanley Cup. So I think this is going to be a, a maybe the top rivalry in the NHL, and maybe the Capitals replace the Flyers as the biggest rival for the Penguins, at least for next season. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we're out of time you mean the Blue Jackets, Blue Jackets aren't the biggest rival for the Penguins? <laughs> well, that's a – no. I'm just going to – I'll just say no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're out of time today. Uh, I, I thought maybe we'd have time to discuss LeBron James and his broken hand, but uh, we ran out of time. So, LeBron James, you're off the hook in terms of discussing your sweep against the Golden State Warriors. I do want to mention – uh, even though we're not live anymore, you're only listening to this part if you're listening to the podcast. Um, we will be ending this version of Tom and I's show and, and Hunter's show next week. We are hoping to catch on with another radio station, but we will be ending our time here with uh, WRSP Radio. Um, so please join us next week for our last show. Uh, it's going to be great. We're going to go out with a bang. Um, but uh, also follow us on Twitter at WKD Sports Huddle because we are planning to catch on somewhere else, and uh, we'll be breaking that news on Twitter. Yeah, looking forward to it. So we'll be back next Saturday for the last time on WRSP Radio. Join us at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.